Good to see everybody today. Say it out loud with me. Say, Father, open my eyes to see, to understand, to perceive what is real, what is right, and what is of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, God is good. God is good. Good to have you all here today. Let's get into some word. Are you ready for it? Good, good, good. If you have a Bible, go ahead and get that out. If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. <laughs> get one on your phone for now. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 28. If you're new with us and you don't know who Matthew is, that's okay. If you can find him, that'll be even better. Matthew chapter 28. I started a new series uh, of messages last week. Uh, this teaching is called In Control. In Control. It's one, of the, uh, it's one of the more overlooked subjects and sometimes not even known by people who've been believers for a long time. And it's vital. This is huge. I mean, I know the last series was huge too, but this series is huger. <laughs> it's so important that we get this truth. It, 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 it's dangerous to a defeated life. <laughs> and it's dangerous to the enemy's rule over people. But let's get into it. Uh, Matthew 28 is where we're starting, verse 18. Then Jesus, and Jesus came and spoke to them, his disciples, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age Amen. Amen. And so, uh, like I said to you previously, hidden within the Great Commission here is a great truth about what is what would be accurately defined as delegated authority. Okay? In other words, Jesus said, uh, I've got all the authority, and in essence, he's saying, and I'm giving it to you. Okay? He didn't say, I've got all authority, so I'm going to go out and make disciples. I'm going to go out and do everything. No, uh, that would be logical. I got the power. I've got the goods. I'm going to do the job. And it wouldn't make sense to say, I've got all the authority. You don't. Why don't you go ahead and do what you can't do without any power and authority? So uh, that doesn't make any sense. What he is saying is, I've got it and I'm delegating it. I'm authorizing you. I'm, uh, I'm giving you what you need to get the job done. And that's how God works. You can see that from beginning to end in the book, that he gives a word, he gives an instructions, and then he assigns us to carry it out. He could do it all, being almighty and all, you know, being all powerful. He could do anything as far as the capability, anything that he asks us to do. However, he won't do it. It's not his plan. He didn't, he didn't desire to make a bunch of puppets. He wasn't his plan to make a bunch of robots who just program us to, to obey, right? No, he wanted to give us choice, but then he also wanted to give us the ability to carry it out. And you can see that principle, principle, principle of authority right here. Amen. I remember one time I was going into a uh, with a few other folks, I was going into this juvenile detention center uh, to minister uh, to some, some young people who got in trouble. And, uh, and as I, on, a, on our way in, some other people were coming out, and uh, they informed us, and we knew 
I forget the conversation, but they were from that, you know, that religion that's popular in a uh, semi-popular around here. And, uh, but one of them challenged me on our way in. I thought, hmm. And he said, by what authority do you do this? Meaning going in there to share the gospel and pray for the people. I thought, later I thought, you sound just like a Pharisee. That's exactly what they said to Jesus. I should feel pretty good about that. He said, but he did. He asked me, I guess he wanted me to have their government's authority to do that. And, and I just said, well, I, I got it from Jesus himself. He's the, in his word. He's the one who said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So I don't need your permission. I got his. Not only permission, but he told me I need to do this. Right? Anyway, uh, one of the questions that we're posing and, and, of course, answering is the question of who's in control. Who is in control? And uh, w- without jumping to a quick answer um, to that question, like many people do, they embrace these statements that have no real foundation in Scripture, and they get quoted generation after generation, and, and by many of by Christians especially, they're the ones who just say things. And uh, I want to ask... If you, if you ask me who's in control, in, in control of what? In control of heaven? In control of earth? In, in control of, you know, the world or the world system? The, in control of you? In control of demons? In control uh, of angels? What are we talking about? Because just to blanket answer that, you're going to get the wrong answer, okay? Um, but there is a belief that God controls everything, and it's not correct. It's not biblically based that he controls everything. This is really a multifaceted subject uh, that needs to be answered differently within various contexts, okay? If we don't get that, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna miss it. If someone says to you, or you find yourself saying, uh, just, you know, in response to typically a negative event or something like that, and, and someone says, well, God is in control. I would encourage you to say, well, in control of what? Or ask yourself, in control of what? Because most of the time people have not thought it through, even those that, that state that outright without, um, without explanation, without qualification. They just say it. Just say it, and they post it, all this stuff. They say it without any kind of further elaboration. If they really gave it thought, they don't believe it. They don't believe that it's absolute, and in all circumstances, all situations. I realize there are a few that do believe that, um, but, but most of the time not, because they find it's, it's not really logical, and it's not really scriptural. So in, con- in control of what? Now, when we read this passage, where Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, you recognize that that statement by itself means that he didn't have it the minute before it was given to him. If all authority was given to Jesus, he didn't, he didn't previously have all authority. What does that tell us? Well, it reveals that this is not speaking of this inherent God quality of being master of the universe. He's not talking about, and since I'm God, I control everything. If that's true, then it wouldn't have to be given to you. So what Jesus was referencing was something he didn't have, and then he did have, and then he did.
delegated to us. Okay? I think that's pretty simple and easy to, to, to understand. Um, all people, we, we studied this last week, so just a little refresh, refresher. Uh, all people from Ephesians chapter 2 were, either are or were, under the control of the prince of the power of the air. There is a spirit that works in the children of disobedience, okay? There's a controlling element that happens in people's lives, and it's not God controlling them. So even just the one, the one verse um, dispels the notion that all people, all things are controlled by God. No, and what about the children of disobedience? And it says, he says to the Ephesians, that used to be you, but they were, of course, in the church now, they were saved. He said, now you're free. You're free from that spirit. Now you get to do, to do life as you choose. You get to make your own choices. Now you're in control, in essence. You control your own life. You decide where you go, what you do, who you serve, whether you live right or live wrong, right? That's what it really means to be in control. And so all of us were under that, the control of that other spirit. But if you get saved, that control is broken over you, at least the legality of it. Practically speaking, it still exists in people's lives because it's, it's, it's experienced relative to truth being revealed. Jesus said, you will know the truth, the truth shall make you free. To the degree of our knowledge of truth, that determines our degree of freedom in life. Freedom from what? Freedom from the prince of the power of the air and all the garbage that he brings. Yeah, freedom to serve God, freedom to follow his wisdom, freedom to by choice worship him. Everybody with me today? You remember one of the uh, uh, items listed in Galatians chapter 5 is the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc. One of those in that list, Galatians chapter 5, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Fruit of the Spirit is not God-control. Well, if I'm really yielding to the Lord, then He controls my life. He doesn't. He doesn't want to. He's not going to. If you say, I I just turned this over to the Lord, he's going to say, nope, I already turned that over to you. In fact, I put my spirit in you, and I made you alive in me so your spirit would inherently produce this this ability called self-control. In other words, you could govern your own life, you could make your own choices, and by your choices, you serve me. You do what's right. You walk in love. You walk in forgiveness. You walk in authority. You walk in power. We do this in submission to the Lord, but he absolutely put us in control. You're supposed to control your own life. I'm supposed to control my life. I'm supposed to yield to him and make, you know, of course, the lordship of Jesus means he, he can speak to me at any point, and I obey but I do that by choice. If I say, no, Jesus, you take the driver's seat. I'm just going to sit back. Well, you're about to get in a wreck. Because <laughs> he's not going to take over. And sometimes we think, I'm just going to turn this situation over to the Lord. He's not taking the wheel. He'll, he'll just say, well, no, that's your job. I'm over here to counsel you, to instruct you, to guide you. I mean, you're supposed to drive. If you don't drive, there'll be plenty of other evil spirits that will help you to drive your car off the road. I just don't know why I keep getting in a wreck. Grab the wheel. It's called self-control. You are supposed to go where you choose to go. If you're a believer, you choose his way continually. 
constantly making adjustments. It's a rough and tumble world. There are, you know, demons all over the road. <laughs> and we need to navigate this life. You navigate it. God doesn't navigate it for you. You listen to him. You're filled with the spirit. You're led by the spirit. We've got the word of God. We've got the Proverbs to give us wisdom. We've got the promises to give us, uh, to give us guarantees of God's activity, what he'll do for us. We've got the prayers, the prayer of faith, the prayer of intercession, prayer of supplication, prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of agreement. We've got, we, we got all these tools in our belt. We've got the word of God implanted into our hearts. All these are, be, are given to us because we're driving because we're in control of our own lives and God wants it to be that way. Yielded to him, listening to him constantly. Everybody okay? Am I talking too fast? So what do we control? I think we could break a lot of this down real easy. We control our minds. We determine what we're gonna think. I don't mean we determine every thought that pops in there, but we determine what we're gonna do with it. And so a wrong belief, a misbelief, a debilitating belief would be, I can't control my mind. I can't control my thoughts. I'm out of control in this area. I just can't seem to keep my mind focused. Uh, now what? Some of this is, uh, is because our modern culture and our smartphones and, and, and everything electronic has trained us to be undisciplined. And we can't focus for more than a minute. But that doesn't mean we have to accept that. We can believe. No, no, the Lord put me in charge of my own life. I can control my mind. In Jesus' name, I can. Come on. And we've got to believe that. But it's a, it's a deception of the enemy. And he'll tell people, you, you can't even control what you think. You can't control what you feel. I mean, what you desire, what you want, it's just innate within you. It's in your being, it's in your DNA, it's how you were born. You can't control that. You just have to do certain things. No, no siree, Bob, that is a lie from the pit of hell that we can't. The scriptures even tell us that we are to set our affections on things above. I control what my affections if I'm really just pulled a certain way, it's because I'm letting my mind go there. I know in real life, people are truly tempted. People truly struggle with, with their thoughts. But it, this, the basis of freedom is found in, I'm in charge of me. I'm the boss of me with my, my thoughts. I'm in charge of my body, what I do with it. I'm in charge of what I allow it to do. Right? I'm in charge of, my, of what I put in it, like that, that Toll House chocolate cookie pie with ice cream that I put, it in, put in it last night. And the repercussions. Now, my wife's in charge. It was, she chose to make it. <laughs> so let's share some responsibility here. But, you know, it's not like we're newlyweds and I have to say, and I'm going to, you don't like my cooking? I could have said no. I chose to eat it. <laughs> right? We choose what we do with our bodies. Right? We choose uh, so many of these areas. We, we are in control of, of our decisions. You're in church today. Good job. Unless you're a minor, 
controlled by your parents, which is, which is the godly order. If you're not that, you controlled whether you came here today. It's a decision. Uh, I would say it's the right decision because this generates life in your life, especially if you come to Life Church. That's who we are. Uh, but you, you, you control your decisions. Um, you control your domain, if you will, the area of your dominion. You have control in certain areas of your life. You don't control the whole world, uh, but you control certain, and you're in charge of that. Uh, you're in control of your assignment, meaning God gives the assignment, but we're in control of what we do with it, his calling, his purposes, his plan for our lives. We choose to obey or disobey or to be faithful or to be unfaithful, to be consistent or to be flaky, right? Uh, we choose. We're, we're making those choices. He's not controlling that for you. I can't say, uh, like the one person, came, well, that's just happened a number of times over the years. People come to me and say, would you pray for me? Sure, happy to pray. What should we pray about? Would you pray that I'll do the right thing? No. I'm going to pray that you do the right thing. What's another way of saying that? Lord, take away their free will. Father, you know that thing called self-control? Could you take that out of here? Insert God control. That's what they're asking. Pray that I'll do the right thing, that God will control me. If that prayer worked, if you can get that to work, I'm coming to you for prayer. Because that'd be sweet, man. I'd never make a mistake again. I live a perfect, holy, righteous, powerful, victorious life at all times because you prayed for me. No, uh, we can pray that, but, you know, self-control is what's going to come in, into the picture. And so we control. We control our environment. What do I mean by that? Not the whole planet. We control around us. Your home. Maybe your office, maybe places, certain parts of your life, you're in control of what's happening in that environment. I mean, no, like a greenhouse, the right environment causes plants to thrive with nutrients and all that, but uh, control the temperature, all that kind of stuff. That's true with our lives spiritually, can true with our lives mentally. If I don't control my environment, I might struggle through life or, or deal with a bunch of bad stuff. Uh, I'm controlling what music is playing in my, in my environment. I control what TV shows are on. I control what I'm scrolling through and looking at on my phone. And, and uh, I control um, what I do with my time. My environment is filled with me, my choices, what I'm putting into it, for better or worse. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever watched a a program like a news program on TV and you thought, I'd really like to be informed and you felt like the person doing it was really sharp and they gave good information and you were like, yeah, now I know. Now I know about this and this and I have answers to these questions. And at the end of it, you felt informed, but you also felt kind of blah inside. You weren't encouraged, you were discouraged. You didn't have more joy, you had more fear really. And so we do that, and then we say, I don't really feel good today. I don't really, you know, I'm, I don't know if I can go to work, or I might, I might skip church to just watch online. Because uh, uh, I'm not really feeling up to it. Well, <laughs> hey. 
I don't say those things on purpose. They're not in my notes. Uh, but we, we're making decisions that contribute to other, other factors. It, it's like when, when I speak about this and talk about what's in our control, sometimes people want to buck against it because of their experiences in life. And they say, well, this happened to me and I didn't choose that. Or, and I get that. I understand that we don't necessarily choose the outcome or choose the result. But what we're not doing is drawing the dot, connecting the dots where all of our other choices contribute towards it. It's like the person who gets divorced after six years of marriage. They didn't go into it six years previous and said, you know, we're going to be awesome for a few years and then about, about six months, after about six years, we're going to hate each other's guts. Now, who's going to do that? Who's going to go through the expense of the ring and the dress, the ceremony? <laughs> all the, who, no one's going to plan that, right? But how many know there are other factors involved that they do choose? We're all making just choices every day about a lot of things. These are in our control. Believing that all these aspects of life are out of our control is... Uh, one of the debilitating factors to life. It puts us in the back seat, unable to drive. It puts us in a passive position where the enemy rules over us because no one's filling the void. Because God already chose. He said, I'm not gonna do this for you. I'm empowering you to do it. I'm giving you the keys. Deuteronomy 30, 19 reads this way. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Isn't that a powerful statement? Instead of thinking, well, life and death happens outside of our control, some people are blessed and some are cursed. Some have it good and some don't. And it's all out of our control. The Lord said, this is the word of the Lord. He said, you choose life or you choose death. You choose blessing. You choose curse. And then again, the, the wheels get turning. No, well, I don't know. I didn't choose this. I didn't choose this to happen in my life. Slow down before you. We should be very slow to argue with the word. Purpose in your heart to whenever you read something that God said and it was inspired be, to be written down that you say, he's right. Come on. And then let your mind start asking questions and trying to figure it out and understand. But start with, he's right. If there's death in my life, I chose it. If there's cursing in my life, I chose it. Now, you might not quickly know how you did or how that, but now you're on a pathway to learn. Now you've just opened your heart for God to reveal, and so the future can be better. There is a, an, you know, a mentality sometimes that where people, you know, rightfully they own things, and I think that's valuable, but people will say, you know, I've got problems in my life, I know, and it's because of my own mistakes. And there's an old saying that goes, uh, if you made your bed, lie in it right? And they'll say that to themselves, well, you know, I've made my own bed and now I'm reaping the consequences of my own decisions. Okay, good for ownership's sake, 
not good if you put a period on the end of that. And now I just have to live the rest of my life suffering with all the fruit of my dumb decisions. Stop, stop. The promises of God were not written for perfect people. They were not given to those who did everything right. Especially, they were given to those of us who did a whole bunch of things wrong to get us out of a large part of the consequences of it. Yeah. So before we disqualify ourselves and say, I'm a rascal, I've, I've done so many bad things and I just have to learn to live with it. Stop it. The grace of God is specifically for you. The promises of God were, were given specifically for you so you can rise up and turn the ship around and make a difference. Amen. And so, again, we can't turn over to God what he turned over to us. So if he turned it over to us, no more, Lord, take it. Lord, do it. Because he gave it for us to do. Praise God. Now, if you would, uh, go with me to the very first book of the Bible. Very first chapter of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1. I'm almost halfway done with my message. And I've only got a few minutes left. You guys are going to have to make a choice to control your destiny and come back <laughs> and be faithful. I know nowadays people, you know, those who study churches say, yeah, people consider it regular church faithful attendance if they come once or twice a month. Well, you don't have to be ruled by that. They say if you're a millennial, you never do, do something twice in the same, like two weeks in a row. You can resist that if you want, because that's not a Bible verse. It might be healthy to buck the culture. Self-control. Woo. Woo, I feel empowered. Be free. Be my own person. Serve the Lord wholeheartedly. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It reads, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay? Notice just the mentality, the focus, how God designed this to be, not that he would create the earth and then run it. Not that he would create mankind and then, you know, like robots, they're pre-programmed, they'll just do exactly what we want done. That was not what he wanted. That's not what he created. He created the earth. He created his highest creation, us. He said, you guys run it. He said, let them have dominion over all the earth. What is dominion? I think we know, but for, you know, uh, the purposes of meditation and understanding, it means ruling power, authority, or control. We could say it this way. God said, let them control the place. Let them control all of the animals and all the fish and all, all that, and let them control the whole earth. 
Yeah. Dominion over it. You guys control it. The Hebrew word means to rule, to reign over, or to take. So God's design from the beginning was not that he run everything, but we run everything. Uh, man had unconditional authority on earth. He could do, what, he'd do with it whatever he wanted. There was one restriction, of course. Don't eat that of that tree. But obviously, God didn't even control that. They did, because they made the wrong choice there. Uh, but uh, for the most part, he turned the earth over to Adam. See, Genesis 2.15 said, uh, reads, then, God, uh, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So he gave him an assignment, take care of this place. Well, how? Where, where's the instruction manual? You figure that out. He really turned it over to him, okay? Uh, even in, in chapter 2 and verse 19, this is interesting. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Well, isn't that risky, Lord? Adam could call the things like dumb names, right? I mean, in God being infinite in his, in his knowledge, he could name everything without a thought. Everything, boom, you have a name, just like that. But he didn't want to do it that way. I'm making all these animals and all these birds and all these fish. Adam, give every single one of them a name. So that might have taken some time. It might have. We read through this and think it all happened in one afternoon. It possibly happened in years. Nevertheless, he turned it over to Adam. You, you give them a name, whatever you call them, that's going to be their name from here on out. God really meant this when he said, I'm giving you dominion, controlling power over creation. This is his original design. By the way, if you ever want to see God in his perfection without interference, you look at the very beginning of the book and you look at the end of the book. Beginning before sin, and at the end when sin is all done away, and you look at heaven, you see the perfect will of God. The vast majority of the Bible is polluted. It is polluted with us, <laughs> with sin, with demonic activity. It's with the consequences of the fall and God helping people avoid the curse, helping people to avoid the problems. But this is clear, this is perfect. God's will is that we dominate. In fact, the psalmist had a revelation and, and, and wrote this. It's Psalm 115, 16. The earth, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Isn't that powerful? When we, 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 we want to say, who's in control? Well, in control of what? The heavens or the earth? The earth is the Lord's. The earth is... Excuse me, the heavens are the Lord's, the earth is ours. Now, I don't really mean ours by ownership because the scriptures also say the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. All that simply means is he retains ownership, but he has given control over it to us. He turned control over the earth to, the, to, to us. You can see he didn't do that with heaven because as soon as Lucifer pulled his nasty pride stuff, he got booted out of there and he said, you're not making a mess of this place. That, re that stays under God's control. Down here, he turned that over to us. So if we let the dude have, have a place, it looks like this. 
welcome to our world. Yikes, huh? So basically, when we see what God did with Adam, Adam and Eve, he gave dominion to them. You could say it this way, that he made, he made them God or ruler of the earth. Now, God with a small g, not divinity, not, they're not the creator. He made them God or ruler of the earth. Why would we use the word God? Say, why do you say that? It doesn't say that in Genesis, that, he, that God made him God. It just said dominion. I use the word God because of the New Testament. Small g, God, New Testament does use that word. Okay, look, with one, look at me with one, at one last verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. See, Adam was given rulership, dominion over the earth, and he basically turned it over to Satan, okay? He committed high treason and gave Satan the right to be the ruler of the earth. He became God in essence, small g again, God of the earth. Satan became that. Adam was that. Remember, you remember Jesus? We read this last week. Remember, Jesus said, you become slaves to whomever you obey. When Adam and Eve obeyed the word of Satan through that serpent, they became his slave. All of the authority, all the dominion, it all got flipped on its head at that moment. Instead of them being rulers of the planet and dominating everything, now they got this other dude that's in the middle. This, in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, uses the language, uh, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Notice that phrase, God of this age. What he's, that's a different subject he's teaching there, but he said when people don't believe, when people are not receiving salvation, it's because they're blinded. Who blinded them? This dude called the God of this age. Who is that? That's Satan. That's Satan. Well, how, how did he become the God of this age? Well, Adam gave it to him. Adam crowned him. Adam obeyed him, thus delegating, thus turning over that authority to him. Now Satan runs around and he, he, he does what he can do and he has influence and those who are unregenerate are actually to some degree controlled by him. Okay, and, and so he became the God or the ruler of this world, Adam did. Then he gave that to Satan. Just listen to this other verse, John 14, 30. Jesus said here, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Okay, so Jesus says the ruler of this world is coming. Who's he talking about? Satan. Well, why would Jesus call Satan the ruler of this world? Because he was. That was an accurate description of Satan, the ruler of the world, or you could say God of this world. So that accurately describes him, and we can see that, um, uh, that he became that as a result of Adam turning it over to him. Did he have the right to do that? Well, not morally, but legally he did. And it shows you that God really means business when he delegates.
He really does. He's not going to say, now I'm giving this over to you. And the moment you do something wrong, oh, I'm taking that back. No, even at high consequence, it's yours now. So much so that Adam gave the planet over to Satan or the control. You know, not ownership. We understand that. I'll explain that later, another week in better detail. But he gave control, gave that dominion. And Satan has been whooping people around ever since. And it's a bad situation. But thank God for those who are in Christ. Amen. The very fact that Satan could be called the ruler of this world or the God of this world proves that Adam had that to begin with and gave it away. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let me give you one more verse. I told you I was done having you turn to verses. I didn't tell you, say I was done. Let me read this one to you because I don't want to leave you like under the control of Satan. <laughs> Look at this verse, Colossians chapter 3 from the Amplified Bible. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. So when you're in Christ, you have been delivered out of that control. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for working in us today. Thank you for working mightily by your Spirit in us, through us, among us. Thank you, Lord, that you empower, you enable, and by your Spirit, we're going to do our part.